I'm just having an awesome time going through Romans, man. Um, Romans is, is a book that, that has, again, that has transformed so many people's lives. And, and uh, I read it before, and it's like, it's a trip how whenever, like, every time you go through it again, like, a second time. It just made, like, my second time actually reading through it. And it's like, man, bro, it's like, I feel like, man, was that there last time? Like, did they just put that in there right now? It's like, well, I'm pretty sure that wasn't there last time. And check, I check my other Bible, I'm like, I oh, was there, you know, and, but I didn't highlight it last time, and now, like, I'm highlighting, I'm highlighting it now, this time I'm going through it, and it's just crazy how, like, the Lord will open up your eyes to certain truths, that like, you know, when you go through it again a second time or a third time or whatever they may be, you know, it's like, and a lot of it has to do because maybe we're not mature enough to, to understand that at the time, so it's like, we just kind of read through it, you know, but, like, later on, things happen through our life, whatever, and then if the Lord makes certain certain scriptures stick out to us more or, or kind of, like, speak to us a little more, and so that's what's happening right now with the book of Romans, man, as we're going through it, is that Lord is just opening up my eyes to so much. And I see why so many lives were transformed by it, you know. And uh, it's it's a beautiful book, man. And Paul just gets into it deep. You remember uh, up until this point from chapter 1 to right now to chapter 5, uh, Paul has made pretty much the case for a guilty world sinning against a holy God. He said he, he, he took his case up against the religious Jews. He said, look, man, you guys are guilty because of this. He says, it's not, it's not about circumcision. It's not about keeping the law. He says, you're guilty. And then he says, and for you Gentiles who don't have the law, he says, hey man, you're guilty too because you don't have the law, but yet look, you have a conscience. And that's God's law that you put in your heart and you're sinning against your own conscience. So he pretty much makes the case for the whole world being guilty before God because, man, they were trusting in their own uh, works, their own deeds to justify themselves before God. Say, look, God, I've been good this week. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. I've been doing good things. And they thought that that alone was going to put them in right standing with the Lord. And so Paul has to has to kind of just like break down all those walls that they were trusting in and say, look, man, it's not about that. You know, even the best of the best that you can do, he says, we'll do nothing for your relationship with God. You know, and, and it came out bad news at first, but but it's like he's going to show him, he's going to explain to him something even better. And that is that, 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 that righteousness comes through faith, man. And, and, and to them, I mean, and even to us, dude, it, it's good news because, man, we mess up so much. You know, it's like even if we want to be good, like we'll, we'll have a good streak, three, four days, maybe a week, couple of weeks, and all of a sudden, boom, we fall. And it's like, and it's just con constant, just like a roller coaster, and we're up, we're down, we're up, we're down, we're up, we're down. And you think about it, man, if our relationship with God was based on our performance, then our relationship with God would be like this. You know, and, and, and I'm thankful that, that, that Paul, has made, Paul has made it clear up until these chapters that, that our standing with God, you know, the way he sees us, doesn't depend on our performance. But it, de it depends on what Christ did on the cross. And that doesn't change. We change. Our emotions change. Our behavior changes. Our patterns change. But yet, what Christ did on the change, like, uh, did on the cross, it doesn't change. You know, it was once and for all. And, and, and that's the beauty of it, man, that, uh, yeah, we mess up. We mess up. But that doesn't change how God sees me, right? Once I place my faith in him, the Bible says that, that he's washed me, he's cleansed me with his blood. And, and he sees me as that, you know, and that doesn't change when I mess up. It's not that all right. I'm a I'm a I'm in, I'm a righteous, you know, but because I'm doing good. But when I mess up, I'm not righteous, and I have to come back to the Lord and say, No, man, you know, we mess up. That's part of our sinful nature. You know, that's part of our just our faults, man. While we're here on this earth, we're going to be battling with our sinful nature, our sinful desires. But Paul brings it. He he expresses in this beauty that look, man, it's not about us, man. It's about Christ and what He did on the cross for us. And so now, as we move, as we as as Paul is just kind of. You know, stated those truths for, for, for the people, man, that are reading it. He's going to now answer those people who may ask, well, how is it possible for God to save sinners through the person and work of Jesus Christ? You know, and, and, and why could there be no other way? I mean, some people, as they're hearing this, they might they might begin to, 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 to think, well, how is it impossible that, that God, through one man, Jesus Christ, 
could forgive the sins of the whole world. You know, as you're seeing, all right, if it's not about the law, if it's not about the circumcision, it's not about the traditions, but if it's about what Jesus did on the cross, how is it possible that his one sacrifice made it possible for the whole world to be saved? You know, and so Paul's going to address, you know, those people who may be, may be thinking that either out loud or in their heads or, or, or who may just be questioning it. And so in this section, Paul's going to demonstrate for us our relationship to Christ, but also he's going to take it way back to Genesis. He's going to demonstrate to us our relationship to Adam, the first man, you know, through whom, whom all mankind came from. And so we're going to read of how much we lost through Adam's sin, but also of how much more we have gained through Christ. And so understand this, that, that, that uh, Adam was given dominion. When, when God created him in, in the garden, he told him, all right, he says, uh, uh, I placed you in the garden and I placed you, uh, I've, I've given you dominion over the whole earth and over all the animals. Right, so, so Adam was kind of given like the keys to this earthly kingdom, right? He was choose to have rule and reign over everything. Now, when he sinned, it's like he forfeited the keys and he forfeited this dominion to Satan, right? Because he sinned. And so now that kind of authority was, was handed over to, to Satan. And so it's been his up until this point, right? Up until this point and then until, until Christ died on the cross. And, and now it rightfully belongs to, to, to the Lord. But Satan is still kind of, you know, he's... he's He's acting like if, uh, like, uh, like if it belongs to him, even though it's not his. You know, and so uh, Paul's gonna gonna show us that through Adam's sin, and death, and condemnation entered the world and entered us, you know, humanity. But through Christ's obedience on the cross, he brought righteousness and justification. And so it sounds very like uh, uh, complex, you know, but we'll get into it. Just we'll take it slowly. Verse twelve, starting there in verse twelve, because we, we we read one through eleven last week. So starting there in verse twelve, it says, therefore. Just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Right? And then he's going to go in parentheses and explain all kinds of other different truths. But let's stop right there and just break that, that one verse too because there is so much just in this one verse, verse 12. He says, just as through one man, that is Adam, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, he says, and thus death spread to all men says because all sinned all right now when you break it down what he's saying is that is that death and sin came through one man through adam right so adam was a represent was a representative of the whole human race he was the first man ever created his name actually means a uh, 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 man like mankind you know when god gave him the name adam it, that's what literally it means it means like mankind you know so he's a representative for all mankind and so and we're going to see that Paul, Paul's going to take us again all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, you know, and, 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 uh, and the fall of man. And so he's going to explain to us how through one man's sin, death was introduced into the human race. Right? Through, one, through one man's failure, uh, then that means that by default, all of us have sinned. And so he says this in Genesis 3, 1 through 6. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Uh, as God is, is, is now, well, we have the account now of, of when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. It says, now when the serpent... Now the serpent was more cunning or more crafty or more like wise than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, God, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was 
good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree that, that was desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and she ate it. And she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. And so we have here again the, the, the fall of humanity. It all started with this, right? That, that Satan took the form of a serpent, right? He, he, he used this form of serpent, something that, that uh, Adam and Eve were familiar with. Right? There's nothing like demonic in the serpent itself, right? God created the serpent and he said it was good, it was perfect, right? But 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 God but Satan uh he corrupted the serpent, right? He took the form of the serpent and he and he, and he used it to deceive Eve. Right? And and he told Eve, hey, he made her question God, he says, Did God really say you can't eat of this of this tree? And she said, Yeah, he said we shouldn't eat of it and we shouldn't even touch it. Now God never said don't touch it, he just said don't eat of it. Right? Now she was uh again deceived by Satan and so she took part of it and Satan told her look God doesn't want you to eat of this tree because he knows that the, the, the moment you eat of it your eyes are going to be open and you're going to be like God and so really that was her sin that she wanted to be like God right and then we're told that that she gave to her husband with her and he ate now a lot of people might, might be asking like when we read this and we see alright man like just how Paul's saying that death, death and sin came through one man through Adam right you may be asking, well, why was Adam responsible for the fall and not Eve? If she's the one who ate it, right? She's the one who, who, who took a bite first. And then it says, then she gave to her husband. But she's the one who took the first bite. Right? And so if you're asking yourself, why, may, why, why was Adam responsible for the fall and not Eve? Well, because Eve was deceived. She knew only better, man. She was deceived. But Adam sinned with full knowledge. He knew what he was doing. Right? God told Adam, hey, don't eat of it. Then Adam told his wife. But the Bible tells that, 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 that God spoke to Adam. He says, look, don't eat of this tree. Right? So he knew. He had full knowledge of what he was doing. So when, when he saw his wife eating it, he should have stopped her. He should have stopped her. He, he should have been there. He was right there, bro. Yes. Yeah, and that's crazy, right? Because you read it and you're like, huh. You don't think about that. You think maybe Adam was somewhere over there. And then Eve came. But it says that, that she also gave to her husband with her. So that means that he was right there kind of just watching it all go down and didn't say a word. Right, Eve was deceived. She took a bite, and he said, "Oh, nothing happened to her. She didn't die." No, so oh, I guess there's nothing happened to her. Yeah, she, he's he's waiting for her to drop dead, and she didn't. So it says that that she gave to him, and that he took a bite also. And so she was deceived, but Adam did it knowingly. And so that, that means that, that that the responsibility falls falls on Adam. And so because they sinned, again, God told them, and God got to this in Genesis two seventeen. As he talked to Adam, he says, "In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die." Now, as he took a bite, they didn't eat right. They didn't die right away. But when God created human uh, mankind, we were never meant to die. You know, we were never meant to experience death. I don't know if you've ever experienced a death in your family or, or of a close relative, and, and and it's like, man, it hurts. Like it hurts so bad, right? It feels like man, like it feels like almost like the pain shouldn't even be there, and, and really it shouldn't because we weren't created to go through the pain of of losing a loved one. We weren't created to go through the pain of, of death. You know, because we weren't created for that. You know, death came as a result of sin. But when God created everything, man, He created everything perfect. There was no death. Death came as a result of Adam's sin. Right? And that's why, man, when we lose a loved one, when we experience a death, it hurts so much, bro, because we're, we weren't created to go to go through those emotions. You know, it's like putting a square in, the, in a circle and trying to make it fit. It's like, man, it's painful. It's not going gonna, gonna, gonna to work. Right? And, 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 and that's why it hurts so much when we go through, through, through a death. And so we see that, that, that through Adam's sin, death now entered... Mankind or, or the human race Now Death Now looking at it from that standpoint You know that, that God told Adam Look in the, in the day that you eat of it You're going to surely die He didn't eat right away 
But that very moment that, that, that he took a bite, his body now started to decay. And more than that, he died spiritually. Right? Because all of a sudden we, we, we read it like in those following verses that, that he was hiding from God. Where at one point he had full fellowship with God. It was man interrupt, uninterrupted. He would just walk in the garden and God would be there. There was no shame. You know, he could go approach God in, presence, in the presence of God. He had, he, had not, he had no reason to hide from God because there was no shame. But all of a sudden he, he disobeyed God. Sin came in. Literal death, physical death, but also spiritual death. Because all of a sudden he was separated from the presence of God. And so looking at it from that standpoint, death is like our point of connection to sin. You may talk to somebody, or I don't know if you ever encounter someone who, I mean, man, some people get offended, bro, when you call them sinners. Uh, okay. I've talked to people on, you know, on the street when we're evangelizing, whatever, and, and I'm saying, well, you know, we need Christ because we're all sinners. And I've had a lady one time, she get all crazy. She's like, don't call me a sinner. She's like, you don't know me. She's like, I've never sinned. And, you know, people actually think that. You know, people actually think, they're like, they justify themselves and they say, I've never sinned, or I'm not a sinner, you're a sinner. They say, you can't call me a sinner, you know, you don't, don't judge me, that type of mentality. We're, exactly exactly we're born sinners and we're gonna die sinners and, and really death is like our point of contact to sin because because death is a byproduct of sin and because every single human being dies that is proof of an indwelling sin in us whether we acknowledge it or not we're we're living out right that 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 uh, that, that that proof of sin in us by death Right? It's like this guy with cancer. It's like, man, he didn't know he had cancer. He could, and he could say it all, night, all day long. I don't have cancer. I don't have cancer. But as soon as the results come in, hey, look, man, you do. It's like, you can't deny this. Right? This is something tangible. You could feel it. You could see it. You could read it. And, and death, which is something that all humans, all humans experience, that is like kind of our, our point of connection to remind us, look, we are sinful because if we weren't, then we wouldn't die. Because, sin, because death is a, is a byproduct of sin. Right? And so with, with, with that in mind, again, someone may even argue, and say, you know, is it fair for God to, to condemn the whole world because of the sin of one man, because of the sin of Adam, right? I, I don't think I've ever had this conversation with anybody, you know, but I thought it myself where I was like, man, well, how's that for that? Just because Adam sinned, I'm like, I don't know Adam, right? He's been thousands and thousands of years for me. I don't know him, you know, and, and, and I wasn't there when he sinned, right? And, and you could, we could begin to think like, well, why should I be punished for his sin? Why should I be punished for his disobedience? Right, and, and and somebody could, could could easily argue, man. Well, is it fair for God to condemn uh, the whole world or condemn all of the human race because of one man's disobedience? And and, and you know, as as we think about it, uh, yeah, it is fair. It is fair, and, and I'll tell you why. Because really, more than fair, it's actually a display of God's grace. When you think about it this way, if God were to test, if we had that mentality, we say, all right, it's not fair that I should be judged for Adam's sin. So if so, God is judging the whole world because of one man's sin, Adam, right, the father of all humanity. Now, if God were to judge sin on a on a individual basis, you know, if if, if God were to test each human being individually, uh, the result would be the same, man, disobedience. Right, we're we're gonna disobey God at one point or another, right, and, and that in itself it's sin, and so we know that the outcome is gonna be the same, right? Why? Because our nature, bro, our nature is selfish. It just is. Right, and so we're going to disobey God at one point or another, and so, but because God condemned the entire human race by one man's sin, then that means that He can redeem also the entire human race by one man's righteousness, and that's Jesus Christ, right? And so, so really, God is being gracious and condemning the whole world of sin, uh, of the sin of Adam, 
because he's making it. He and that way he he's kind of opening up a, a one way street. He said, "All right, look, sin came through Adam, through one man, Adam, and that means that redemption from sin can only come from this same, from the same through, through another, through another man. You know, created perfect, created without sin, and that's and that's Jesus. And so uh, it, it, we see that that Jesus was the only one who was tempted in all points like us, right? But yet he didn't sin. That's what the Bible says. And so Jesus." Before he came on earth, right, he he he's got the son up in heaven. He 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 took on humanity, became Jesus Christ of Nazareth, took on a human form, and we're told that that uh, that he the Bible tells us in Philippians and in Hebrews that he was tempted, like we were tempted, but he didn't sin, right? And and, and because he died a perfect, perfect man, right, tempted but yet didn't sin, then now he can be our representative because Adam Adam was if you think about it, Adam was 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 created sinless. He was created perfect. Right, and he has a similarity with, with with Jesus because uh, Adam didn't have a dad, right? He was created by God, and, and and Jesus didn't have an earthly father, right? But he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So both of them came on the on uh, on the earth with a clean slate. Adam blew it, but Jesus fulfilled it, right? And so, uh, take for example, you know, uh, uh, the the angelic beings, you know, the the angels. Uh, you heard, you've heard about the the, the rebellion of of Satan and one third of the angels, and. I don't know if you ever asked yourself, you know, or, or ever thought, like, man, well, is God is is God like uh, unjust or is he like not fair because he yeah, won't? Like, really, that's a lot, that's a lot bro. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. That's heavy. That's heavy, bro. And when it says one third, it's like not even trillions, not even like it's like man, a number we can't even conceive, you know, like can't even think of. That's a lot of angels, bro, that, 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 that chose to rebel against God and join Satan. And so... But why, why did God put him on earth, though? Like, why couldn't he just set him on Yeah, and, and so... It, it's crazy because... Uh, so, so the Bible says, first of all, that uh, the angels are, 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 are... were created to minister to the believers. Right? And now... The whole thing is that, is, all right, like, God, he, he, he kicks Satan out and the... And the and, and the devils out, and, the, and the demons out of heaven Meaning like they, they can't reside there But they can still go up and up to heaven They just can't abide there Right and so uh, Really that's like for all angels So, so uh, earth is like an open Pretty much like an open open field For everyone Because even angels can come down up, up to earth Right And so, so God is going to judge He's going to judge the, the demons and Satan one day You know and, and for right now You know yeah he, he's roaming the earth You know and, he, and the Bible says that that, that, that that Satan is the prince of the earth For now you know, but you know, there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a day when 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 they're gonna be locked up and you know, they can't touch the earth anymore. But until then, and so this is a this, this is an interesting thing, right? So this this where I was going with this. So because Adam sinned, and because he was a man, human, a human, a man, right? And then uh, Jesus took on human form to redeem us. But as for the angels, is God is judging them as individuals because there's no one to Take the place of an angel for justification. Just like Jesus took our place, there's no one to take the place of an angel, right? Because they're they're not of the human race. You know, they're of another race. Redemption is for humans. It's for humankind. That's why there is no redemption for angels. Because for so for them, it, it, it's it's just all right, man. They have that one shot, and like you said, they're before the presence of God. They've seen God's wonders, God, God's works. They've, I mean, they've, they've they've seen God face to face, face to face, and yet they chose to rebel. There's no forgiveness for that one because. There, no one's getting, God is not going to take the form of an angel to die for an angel. One, because angels don't die. 
right? And so, and so they're created different than us. And so, it, 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 and, and that's why I said, like, I see the sovereignty and the grace of God in that, in that if God were to judge us one by one, man, imagine someone would have to be, would have to be dying for us all the time. For every single human that sins, someone will, a perfect being, God himself, would have to die for us every single time a person's, a person's sinned. But because Adam was a man, and, be, and because Jesus took on humanity, Right, he died, and he was able to be our substitute now, right? Our replacement. That's pretty heavy. When you, when you, when you think about it, that's, that's that's pretty heavy. And so he goes on to say there in verse thirteen, he says, now in parentheses he says, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. And then fourteen he says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was. To come, and so, and the question is: Does breaking God's law make me a sinner, or do I break God's law because I'm a sinner? Let me think about it. You know, am I a sinner because I break God's law, or do I break God's law because I'm a sinner? Because I'm a sinner, exactly. You know, I, 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 we break God's law because we're sinners. You know, breaking God's law doesn't make us sinners. We break His law because we're sinners. It just, it just proves that we're sinners. Right, and someone could could easily argue, well, I've never broken anyone in God's law, so I'm not a sinner. But then when you start going down through them, and and, and they may think, oh, they they quickly realize, like, man, I've broken a lot of these Ten Commandments. You know, I've broken like most of them. You know, and you realize, like, man, it's not the law that's making me a sinner; it's me that I'm a sinner, and that's why I break the law. And so, now that, that's kind of what, what what Paul's trying to to explain here to the person that's reading this. Keep in mind that a lot of these guys that are reading it, they're like hardcore Jews. You know, so they know their history, they know the law, they know, you know, all these different things that, 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 that were given to them. And so they're, they're sharp guys when it comes to the law. And so uh, the, the, the question is, well, sin can only be charged against law, right? Sin can only be charged against law. You know, but, but even when, when there were, when, even where and when there is no law, sin still is present, right? Like if, man, if that guy who stole the car, if there is a sign posted that says, hey, you can't know stealing cars, this guy saw the sign and he stole the car, uh, he, uh, then he's guilty. But even if there is no sign posted there that says, hey, no stealing cars, which there wasn't, right? He, he still sinned by stealing the car because he knows, hey, man, there's a law, a uh, moral law that stealing is bad. Yeah, don't take something that, that's not yours. It's a moral law. Like, no one has to tell you that in order, to, in order to, for you to know that it's wrong. It's like, how does everyone just know that it's wrong? You know, and all, all around the world, it's, it's this moral law. And so Paul's not going to explain that, that, uh, that even though they, the Jews didn't have a law from Adam to Moses, that's like more than 2,000 years until, until God in the book of Exodus gave, gave the law to Moses. And all that time there was no law. All the time there was like, you should not kill, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not, all these different things. They didn't have a law, but yet, how were, how were they sinners and, and there was no law? And so Paul's even going to say, he says, well, one, the law was given to Moses, you know, the Ten Commandments, some 2,000 years like after Adam sinned. But Paul makes another case for the disobedience of Adam, right? And, 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 and this disobedience of Adam was passed down to us because although people didn't have the physical law, right, uh, to sin against, death was still present from Adam to Moses. And so even though there was no law to sin against, hey, they were still dying. I mean, like, look, that sin was still present in them. So they can't argue like, man, well, we didn't know. They can't argue. Well, we didn't have the law. They can't argue like, well, God never told us. Right? Because again, they, 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 like the very fact that they died was like kind of condemning them right there and so he goes on to say now in verse 15 he says but the free gift is not like the offense for if by one man's offense many died talking about adam he said 
much, much, he said, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus, Jesus Christ abounded to many. In verse 16 he says, And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the, from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. And then he says in verse 17, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one. Jesus Christ. I know it's a lot, like to it's a lot to even comprehend. You know, even especially the way it's written, it's like you really got to break it down to to, to to see what he's saying. But pretty much, Paul is saying, you know, he's breaking it down for us, and he's saying, Adam's disobedience, you know, in contrast to the free gift that is in Christ. Right? He's making this contrast between Adam and Christ, between Adam's disobedience and what came because of that disobedience, and and and, and between uh, Christ's perfect obedience and and what resulted. You know, of that, which is our forgiveness of sins, righteousness. And so he says, so, so Paul contrasts Adam's offense, that sinful disobedience, to the free gift of righteousness through Christ. And he says, just like the sin of Adam affected the whole world, then also the free gift of God through grace brings life to all who receive it. Right? Just like Adam's sin affected everybody, but, but, but Christ's perfect obedience and sacrifice on the cross could also affect the whole world. Right, it's like uh, man, no one's left out, right? So, so God is got everyone covered, right? We're all we're all sinners by default because of Adam, but he also we all have the opportunity to be made righteous through Christ. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how much you've sinned, no matter how long you've been in sin, uh, 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 the, uh, uh, that's what Paul is saying, right? He's saying Adam's offense brought judgment, right? His sin brought judgment to mankind and condemnation, but Christ's work on the cross brings justification. Justification. Now, through Adam, we're told that because Adam sinned, death now reigned. Meaning, man, death has power, like a lot of power. You know, but through Christ, we will reign in life. And he says, man, Adam sinned, and the result of that was huge, so so huge that it affected every single person who was ever born after that. Death. That's how big his sin was. That's how that's how deep the the, the the roots of that sin was. That you would think, bro, like man, we make mistakes and. Our mistakes probably, all right, yeah, they affect those around us. They'll, hard, they'll hardly, hardly ever go to, like, the next generation unless it's, like, you know, I don't know, something big. But then they'll hardly ever go to the next generation after that. Think about Adam, man. He, his sin affected not just his, his sons and his kids, but their kids and their kids and all the generations up until right now and until pretty much, you know, uh, Christ comes back. So it was deep. That's heavier. Like, man, like, like he, his sin affected all of us, like, deeply. But Paul saying, man, just how Adam's sin, Adam, Adam's offense uh, affected the whole world deeply. He says, Christ's perfect work on the cross, again, affects the whole world just as deeply, if not more. Right? Because now we all have that, 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 uh, that opportunity to be forgiven of our sins and to be made justified now in Christ. And so, again, he says, uh, now, again, in, in that same manner, right? he's saying, man, just how, 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 how that death affected everyone. He says, as sure as everyone dies then so too will everyone who trusts in, in the finished work of Christ on the cross will live. You know, not just physically, but he's talking about spiritually as well. You know, like, man, as we place our faith in Jesus, he gives us a new life. You know, and, and it's like, man, that, 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 that's what gives us this hope, uh, not just here in this world. I mean, God, God wants us to live a life for Christ here, bro, and to experience that fullness of just walking with him. 
know, it's something that the world can't have. You know, they can't experience it. They don't have Jesus. And, and, and God, through Christ, has made that available for us. You know, it's like, man, we were born for so, for so much more than just living, working, dying. Like he, wants to, he wants us to experience the fullness of life. And He wants us to experience walking in His perfect will while we're still here on earth. And yeah, once we die, you know, for us, for the believer, well, the, the Bible promises that, hey man, it doesn't end right there. And when we die, that's kind of like, alright, the doors open now into eternal life. And so, Paul's saying, just as Adam's sin affected everyone to death, he says, so Christ's work on the cross will affect everyone unto life, you know, even, even eternal life. Now, this new life in Christ, again, it's something for the present and it's something for the, for the future as well. You know, and, and, and really, when you think about it that way, it should be something so real to us. Just as real as people die is new life in Christ. It's just that real. Sometimes we, we think about it, we're like, man, well, I can't attain it or I'll never be like that guy or it's just too hard or whatever. You know, and, and Paul, like, up until this point, he's, he's been saying like, hey, it's not about what we can do or, not, or don't do. It's about faith you know i asked you earlier hey bro have you been reading have you been reading and you're like no i haven't had time imagine bro if your relationship with god depended on your reading you'd be all messed up i'd be all messed up right because man i don't don't think I, i'm the because i'm the pastor that i'm like oh my gosh i just got reads every single day and he's like like no nah, man but i'm glad that it's not dependent on things like that you know on what we do even our mistakes bro we, we make mistakes all the time and and, and God's love for us is not dependent on our, on our performance. It's not dependent on how, how good we, we behave or all these things, you know. But it's dependent on, on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And we receive that by faith. Just by faith. Paul said, hey man, it's all by faith. Right? Take the pressure off of us. So he goes on to say now, there in verse 18, he says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. Resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, then so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. And he says in verse 20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded way more, much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so... And Paul now kind of in summary, you know, he's kind of gathering all his thoughts, all, all, all his thoughts that he, that he just said, and he's kind of giving a little summary of it. And so in summary, he says, the offense of Adam led to death, and it led to judgment. Says, but the righteous act of Jesus brings justification. And he's been using that word a lot, you know, and, and, and what that means, justification, what, what, what it means, biblical justifications. In the, in the Greek, it's a word called... Uh, I don't know how to say it. Dikaiosis. I'm probably butchering it, man. I don't know how, how to pronounce it. It's a weird word. But, but, but it means this. It means to declare someone as righteous. Justification is an act of God whereby He pronounces a sinner to be righteous, to be free from guilt because of that sinner's faith in Christ. Right? So because of what Christ did on the cross, hey man, we have that gift of now being uh, pronounced as just as guiltless as debt free as righteous now before the lord that's heavy man that's heavy because man we just the grace of god bro like there's like people who we've heard in our lives that probably still to this day will never forgive us but yeah and and they see us and every time they think about us they see us as this person the person we used to be but 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 god man because of what jesus did on the cross when he sees us when he thinks of us 
the Bible says that uh, that God's thoughts towards us are good. They're all for good, man. He doesn't think about our past. He doesn't bring it up. For him, it's like a, it's like if it doesn't even exist, exist anymore. But now he just sees us as righteous in Christ. Even even though we keep on messing up, man. That, that That's heavy, man. That's heavy. And so he says, notice what he says. He says, also by one man's obedience. There in verse 19, he says, also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous notice how he says many will be made righteous he didn't say by one man's obedience all were made righteous but he says by one man's obedience many will be made righteous now why do you think he says that mess up on purpose and reject the free gift you know because even though god already gave that free gift there's a lot of people who don't want it man and it's like man you talk to me you're like ah, like it, how, how could you not want this He's like, man, you can't do anything. You can't force someone. You can't convince them. I mean, you could try to convince them, and you know, you just live a good life, and 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 hope hope that they see that and they see a relationship with the Lord, and they're like, you know what, man, I want that. But there's just people, people bro, who are just mad by God, and they, they don't want they don't want anything to do with Jesus. They don't want anything to do with, to do with the love of God, and it's unfortunate. And so and so Paul says, hey, just as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made. Righteous you know, will be made. Uh, so the sin of Adam was applied to all mankind, but the righteousness of Christ is something that we have to choose for ourselves to receive. God gave it, but we chose it, just like any gift, right? A gift isn't a gift unless you first give it and the other person receives it. Right? Oh man, here's this gift. I want to give it to you. Oh, cool thing for the gift. I walk away. I never take it. It's never mine. It's never mine. So I take it. Take a step. All right, man. Thanks. It's mine. Right? And so that's why he says. He says. Through one, through one man's obedience, through, through the obedience of Jesus, many will be made righteous. That is, if they, if they take it for themselves, they don't just receive it, man, by faith. That's it, but that's all it takes. And so he goes on to say, again, uh, well, he says, the law entered so that the offense might abound. He says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Meaning that, that, that God gave the law through Moses in order to show man's need for grace. Right? Again, going back to, 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 that, to that thought earlier that, man, it's not, I don't sin because I break God's law. I break God's law because I'm a sinner. And, and, and the law of God, the Ten Commandments, you know, the, the God's moral law, again, it, it, was, it was put there to show me, to show us our need for grace, knowing that, man, there's no way I can keep this perfectly. And even if I do, I'm going to mess up sooner or later and then have to start all over. But by that time, it's already all out the window. And so God's law was given to us to show us, you know, our need for grace, you know, and to point us to Christ. And so we see that the law highlights our sins and makes them abound. Paul, Paul uses his word abound, meaning like, man, it overflows it. Like if this was our us and if that coffee was our sin, imagine if I just go right there and if there was a button for a 40 ounce, but it only holds 10 ounces, I press a 40 ounce and it just overflow and overflow. That's what, that's what the law is doing for us. It's causing our sin to overflow because it's, it's showing us Look, man, you fall short all the time and, and in all these areas. So our sin is just overflowing, overbounding, abounding. Now, Paul says that where there is sin abounding, God provides grace overbounding. It's like, imagine if this cup was us and it was filled to the top. And it being filled to the very brim is sin abounding in us. Right, man, I'm just full of sin. It's abounding. Now imagine that the, that the Pacific Ocean is God's grace. And you take this cup full of abounding sin you dump it in the middle of the ocean you submerge it to the deepest darkest depth of the sea and that's what Paul is saying he says 
sin abounds, but grace overabounds. And he gives us that picture of just this overflowing, just tremendous amount of grace that God is causing to overabound in our lives where sin is abounding. Now, man, God is not a God of you know, uh, condemnation. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 3, chapter 3, he says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world by through me might be saved. You know, but sometimes like we think about God or people display God to us in that way, like, oh, God's just ready to strike, strike you down as soon as you mess up and this and that, the other. And you're like, no, man. You see what the Bible says about God? That he's a gracious God. And that where sin abounds in us, God causes it to overabound. You know, that Pacific Ocean being the grace of God and this being us, man. And God will just submerge us to the very depths of his grace for us, man, in love because of what Jesus did on the cross. And we see that, 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 this, that this way of grace, you know, it's always been, uh, it's always been the way of God, man, grace. It was before the New Testament, before Jesus, before uh, the cross. God has always dealt with this, with this, with his people, with grace, with grace, man. Uh, God extended grace to Adam and Eve when they sinned, right? He could have just, all right, you know what? There's only two human beings. I could just wipe them out right now, start all over, and it wouldn't do too much damage, right? It's only two human beings that they don't even know anybody. They don't have no kids yet. They're nothing, right? He could have just wiped them out, start all over, but no. Instead, he extended grace and he covered their sin. And we, we see that he extended grace to Cain, who killed his brother Abel. Man, he could have killed Cain right there too, man. And that was the first murder ever. And yet, no, he extended grace to him. More than that, he, it says that the Bible says that he put a mark on his forehead so that no one else might kill him. And God was just extending grace to, to, towards Cain. We see that God extended grace to Abraham when Abraham disobeyed. God extended grace to Jacob when, Jake, when Jacob drifted, drifted far from him. God extended grace to Moses when Moses committed murder. God extended grace to David when David committed adultery and murder. Uh, God extended grace to that Samaritan woman there in John chapter 4 when, uh, when, when she came up and, and, you know, she had been sleeping with all kinds of guys and was in a relationship that, you know, with, with, with the guy who she wasn't married to. And, 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 and we see that Jesus extended grace to her, right? It's like, man, God has always been a gracious God. Always, man. He will continue to be a gracious God forever. And so the point is this, that the law was temporary. But that God's grace is eternal. Is eternal. And he says this now in chapter 6. Just I'm going to go through the first four, four verses. He says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin then that grace may abound? He says, Certainly not. Or for how shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or how do you know? Or, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by glory, by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. And so Paul is now addressing, you know, as he introduced the truth of this overbounding grace to the sinner. You can just imagine, bro, some, some, the, 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 the Jewish reader who's reading this might be thinking, well, if God extends grace to the sinner, and if, and if man's sin causes God's grace to overbound, you know, then... Why not sin? It? Why not sin more so that we get experience more of God's grace, right? There's always going to be someone who's people who want to take advantage of God's grace all the time, man. There could be someone who said, "Oh, if we're free from the law, then then we are free to just live as we want, you know, as we please, gratify the flesh, right?" And Paul says, "No way." And in verse one, he says, "He says, he says certainly not." Or he says it like uh, in the Greek, it, it, that certainly not is like very emphatic. It's like him saying, "No way," with an exclamation mark. No way, he says, he, says, that, he says, that's not what it means, right? And then Paul uses baptism as his illustration to show the believer's new relationship to sin. 
before we, we were born again, bro, and before we, we, we committed our lives to the Lord, before uh, the Spirit of God came and then dwelled us and freed us from the bondage of sin, we had a different relationship to sin. Man, your body tells your body, your, your, your flesh says, do this, do that, do that. And it's like, we, had, we, we were just, all right, all right, all right, flesh, all right. And it just drags you everywhere. You have no, absolutely no control. And you, can, you cannot resist. It's like, whatever your flesh wants to do, you'll do it. You just give yourself over to it. Right? That was a relationship to sin before Christ. But now, in Christ, the relationship of the believer to sin is, is, is a little different. And that's what Paul is saying. He uses this, this, this illustration of baptism to kind of show the relationship that we have as believers now to, to, to sin. And so just as a person is immersed in water and then raised back up, Paul says, look, it, it's, like, it's like if we're identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Because Christ was, was, was buried, right? And he rose from the, from the dead. And Paul says, as we place our faith in him, right, we become one with him. And it's like we were buried also with him. And we were also raised as a new man in a new life, in a new life. And so Paul says, the old man was buried along with our attachment to sin. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to sin because, man, bro, I've sinned. You've sinned. Even being Christians, we've sinned. But the difference now is that, man, that sin has no dominion over us. It has no, no power over us. It has no authority over us. Yeah, we sin. Yeah, we mess up. But we're not giving over to it. Right now, uh, God through the Holy Spirit gives us power to resist and resist temptation and overcome it. Now, we're not always, you know, victorious in those battles, but we're victorious in the war, you know, in, 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 the, in the whole war. You know, and so Paul is saying, he says, it's not that we should sin more so that God's grace could abound in us, but he says, no, he says, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. You know, and, and, and that's the encouragement for, for us this morning, bro, is that, uh, just like Paul said, hey, look, man, it's not about experiencing God's grace to sin more, but it's about experiencing God's grace and that should cause us as believers to walk in that newness that God is extending to us. You know, it's like, man, it's like, if God is so good to extend grace to us, he's, I, w- I want to find out what else, like, how far the depths and how deep, you know, the, the, the depths of God, God's goodness goes in our lives. You know, Paul said, hey, walk in that, walk in that newness now of life. Amen. Cool, man. Father God, just thank you so much for, for the study of your